welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Colson, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Hopefully you're having a wonderful week. Man, I don't know about you, I love fall. I mean, just like look at your neighbor and just say, you look better because it's fall. Just say that. Go ahead. Yeah, it's right there. Some of you need that. Some of you have to be lying to them. It's okay. That's all right. Man, I just think fall is a great time of the year, you know, and I love that. I love like, like there's vegetables in the fall. You know that? Like candy corn? Anybody? Right? <laughs> you think I'm joking. And, and I just love, it's just, I just love fall. I, I love the leaves turning. I love the colors. I love everything about it. I just think it's great. I just think you're great. I love it. it's crisp outside so you can drink coffee outside or if you're a hot cocoa, apple cider person, whatever. But, man, I just, I just love fall. I love everything about it. And, uh, and so uh, last weekend I did something I try to do once a year. I don't I'll always get a chance to do it. But as a kid, my dad would uh, take us to a college football game. Uh, my brother and I, we'd go to one or two games a year and uh, back then, and that was a big treat because uh, there wasn't a lot of money, and he had to really, I knew he had to save and really work to, to do all of that, and uh, so we would go, and, uh, and so, you know, um, uh, again, I, I grew up in Arkansas, so I grew up in a town called Fort Smith, so if, you, if you've seen the movie True Grit, where the railroad ends on the movie, that's my hometown, the last, the last bastion of civilization before you get to the wild, wild west, as we call it, the land of Oklahoma. So anyhow, and, uh, and so, uh, which they lost. Wow. Anyhow, I'm sorry. I'm a college football guy. And so um, my brain was like, there's a bird. And so anyhow, um, but uh, long story short, every year we, we try to go to a Razorback game. Uh, and so, yeah, and hogs, all right, good, good hog fans. And, uh, and so we try to go. And, uh, and so last weekend we went, of course, we lost miserably to Auburn at Fayetteville. Uh, and last year we watched the Alabama game, and I've never seen so many people so excited to lose only by 30 points. And uh, it's like, it's Alabama. I said, I don't care who it is. We lost. So anyhow, so again, just fall of the year, football, family, all that kind of stuff. We're coming into uh, this next weekend, man. It'll be uh, November. I cannot believe November is already here. And, uh, and wow, where did, where, did, where did the September and October go? And so now we're coming into Thanksgiving and family gets funky. Can I get a witness in the house? Amen. And uh, all the way to, through Christmas and just get to eat and eat and eat and more. And so it's all good times. So anyhow, that's why I like. That's why I'm excited. So if you can't tell, I'm a little excited today about that. But um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13. We're actually going to read the entire chapter in just a few minutes. Psalm chapter 13. And, uh, and I'm also, I have a note here that I need to communicate to you that we had a, someone was unable to go on the Israel trip that we're going to in January 2020. So if you want to go with Tammy and I and 39 of your closest friends from Life Church, so there, there's going to be 40 of us to Israel. Uh, you can just see someone at guest services at the Resource Center as you leave today, uh, but we've got one seat one, uh, that's, le that's left, and that, that goes out at the end of the week. So somebody was unable to go, and so there was a change. So I, Ryan wanted me to let you know if you're interested in that trip and like to go with us. We're going to be flying into Tel Aviv, and we will do a Holy Land trip for about seven nights, eight nights, and then we'll be back, and it'll be great fun. And it's January, so here it will be cold and snowy, and there it will not be. Amen. So um, I'm in this, we're beginning this series, and I, and I hope that you'll come back next week because I'm going to talk about, you know, what do you do when, when you have to wait on prayers? You, you've asked God to do something, and you have to wait. What do you do in the waiting time? 
is waiting time, waited, waiting time is that wasted time. What do you do with that time? Because there's always a process when it comes to God. I mean, we love to get zapped. Like I love to, for someone to pray, you know, like I, I, I need to lose 20 pounds and just, you know, just lay your hands on me and just uh, let me hold, hold my pants up so that they don't, they don't drop to the floor and I just could lose 20 pounds. Wouldn't that be awesome just to get zapped and everything's great? The problem with that is, is that if that happens, what I'm going to wind up doing is going right back to the buffet because my patterns, my habits haven't changed. And, and so there's a process what do you do in the process? I'm going to talk about that next week. The third week is what happens uh, when, when, when bad things happen and you prayed for one thing and something else completely happens. What happens when your prayer isn't answered the way you want it to be? What happens when your story, the narrative of your journey that you're on doesn't end up like something you read in Scripture? What happens when God doesn't show up? What happens when God doesn't answer your prayer the way you think? What happens with your faith? What happens with you? What do you do in those moments? Today, I want to talk to you about uh, what happens when you don't feel God at all. It feels like that your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. We would say the heavens are brass. They're just, it's just like it, they don't go anywhere. I'm in church and I feel nothing. I'm in worship and I feel nothing. I'm in prayer time and I feel nothing. There's no emotional response. You know, it's that you lost that love and feeling. It's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, 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 right? I mean, you just, you, there was that time when you came to faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and you, you liked that, didn't you, Josh? And, and you, and, and there's that time when you came to faith in Jesus and there's, and, 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 and the grace of God just, it just took your sins away and you felt fresh and you felt clean and you felt energized. But now there's been some time that's elapsed and all of a sudden, where, where is that? And the emotion's gone. And the love's gone, it feels like. And it just feels like that, the, that God's far, far away. And God, are you even there? And, 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 and why don't I feel God? Why don't I always feel his presence? Why don't I always feel that? Is that normal? Is that not normal? What do I do in that time? That's what I want to talk to you about today. First of all, let me say that's very normal. So if you are in a season where you don't feel anything, totally fine. Some of you are more cerebral and intellectual in your journey. And so feeling will be much, much, much less for you. It's how you're hardwired. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you are highly emotional. Drama. There's a lot of drama in your life. And there's always going to be, because that's just how you're hardwired. And so it's going to be these hills and these mountains and these valleys and these peaks and these lulls. And there's going to be this. You're, 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 you're going to feel like your emotional, this sense of God's presence may look like more like an EKG heart monitor. It's just going to be up and down with various rhythms. Some of you, most of us are somewhere in between. We, 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 it's more than just a cerebral understanding. There is this emotional connect to what's going on, but it's not so high and so low. But there's just these times where I just, I don't sense it. I don't feel it. And, I, and, and is that normal? Yes. Uh, this is what the passage scripture I want to look at today is somebody that you will know very well who, who talks about this. And there's, it's very interesting what's not just actually in the chapter, but what's not in the chapter. Let me say this also, there are just seasons in your life. It's important that you understand who you are and what season you're in. There are seasons where 
it's like everything is coming up roses and everything is great. There are seasons where it feels like nothing works, right? It's like you have these days where you wake up and you get up and like, I mean, you, you can just, everything, I mean, you can, everything just happens right. I mean, your clothes just fit perfect. You, you, you shoot for the waste basket and you hit it every time. I mean, you can just drop threes like raindrops. And I mean, you just, everything is, the food's great. Everything's great. Life's great. The kids are great. The wife's great. The husband's great. Whatever, everything, your boss is great, jobs, I mean, just everything is perfect. And then there are other days where it's like nothing can be perfect. They're just seasons. And in those seasons, there are times where you don't sense, you don't feel, you don't do whatever. And can I just help you? Many times God is more active in the seasons where you don't feel him and you don't know that he's there than when you, in the times that you feel him so greatly. And I'm going to show you that. This is what's interesting to me. There are seasons in my life as a pastor. So I've been pastoring here. Uh, this will be uh, the 18th Christmas, right, that we've been here. And so I, I've been here for a while and almost two decades of our life. And so there's, there's a lot that's happening. And my youngest turns 18 this week. And so that's a, it's like, you know, it, we're, we're talking, Tammy and I, about, you know, this empty nest thing that's going to be happening in a reality in our life this time next year and, and 25 years of marriage and blah, 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 blah. And all of this life is just happening. And it's happening at this fast clip. And here's what's been interesting as I pastored this church in this amount of time. The seasons where I get more emails, more comments, more calls, cards, and more texts of that was amazing. That was right where I was living. Were, were you in my kitchen? This was awesome. Where, where I mean, it's just like, dude, you're, you're preaching. I, well, I don't know what you're taking. I don't know what you're doing. I'm sure you're fasting more. You're praying more. God's just there. Those are the seasons that I feel God about zero. It's very, very interesting. The times where I just am like, I, God, am I even, are you here? Is this mic on? God, are you, are you, are, do you hear? Do you, I mean, am I still supposed to be here? God, I, I need you to show up. God, I, I got a sermon because Sunday's come around with a, with, a, with a crazy amount of regularity, right? I mean, it's just, this is my life. When, when I get done a, a, a Sunday a sermon and I have lunch, then there, there's another Sunday coming. I mean, there's another weekend coming. There, there, I've got, there's another sermon. There's another outline. There's, a, there, there's another deal. And so it's, just constantly, constantly. And, and in the seasons where I don't feel anything are the seasons it seems like you as a congregation grow more, experience God more, and say there's more anointing, there's more presence of God on the preaching and on the leading than, than, than the times where it's like I'm overflowing. I, the, the, and I don't know why that is. I can't explain that. But all I know is that God's at work because it's evidence in the testimonies in your life and what's happening. And, 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 and there are those times, though, that it's in those moments that that's where the enemy of our soul wants to try to come in and try to push us down and, and just kind of make it about our feelings. Psalm 13. David is writing this psalm. And David, this is a prayer that he is having with God. And I want to read, there's only six verses in this, in this chapter, so we're going to read it. So that's great. Man, you're going to read an entire chapter of Scripture in church today. Amen. So no one can say you didn't get a full dose of, uh, of God's Word. But he is basically just feeling like he's living in a galaxy far, far away. And that God is nowhere to be found. And that the heavens are closed. And God is not there. I want to read this, and then I want to walk through this. Because this passage of Scripture, in my opinion... When you don't feel God, 
When you feel like you have prayed and you feel nothing, when you feel like you have done all that you can to reach out for God and it feels like God is absent, where you feel like that you've lost that joy of your salvation, you feel like you've lost that, 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 that newness, that freshness, that presence of the Holy Spirit, you feel like you're in the middle of a church service and you don't feel God. And the enemy of your soul would say, maybe you need to go to another church. You're not being quote unquote fed. No, 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 that's not what's going on. What's going on, it's called just, it's, you're maturing, you're growing. God's developing you. You always get developed during the dry seasons, not during the rainy seasons. The, the, the root systems are having to go so much deeper during the dry seasons than they do during the rainy seasons. Because the rainy seasons, it's just coming down and down and down and down and down. But in the dry seasons, the roots have to go so far deep into the soil in order to tap into the water reserves that are below them. Ooh, that's good. Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and my, and my day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And, and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So what do you do when you don't feel God? The first thing David does is David chooses to be honest with God. David chooses to be honest with God. Look back at verses 1 through 4. I want to read that again. Just Look how brutally honest he's having this conversation with God. How long, Lord, will you, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, I have sorrow in my heart. And will, will my enemy triumph over me? Am I going to die from this? Verse 3, and look on me, my Lord, my God, and give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. You're either going to have to give me, give me life or I'm going to die here. And my enemy, when I die, will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice because I have fallen. I mean, when you just stop for a moment, David is so, so, so honest with God. And can I just help you? When you're feeling frustrated with God, tell him. When you're feeling angry with him, tell him. When you're feeling like this doesn't make sense, tell him. This is what prayer looks like. Prayer is not, now I lay me down to sleep. Prayer is not, you know, I wish I may, I wish I might, have this wish I wish tonight. Prayer is not good food, good eat, back your ears and let's eat. Prayer is when I am having an honest, real conversation with God. You understand that here's the reason why we, have, why we pray. Because, because we are separated from God in a physical dimension and a spiritual dimension. Uh, because we are here and we're limited by this earthly body. And one day we won't be, but he is in the heavens. But he's there, and he's as close, the Bible says, as the very mention of the name of Jesus. But when you look back at the Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, in the first part of the book, of the Bible, you'll find that God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. So when the day was done, they would sit on the proverbial front porch in the rocking chairs drinking sweet tea. That's just what I think they did. That's uh, I would do it. And, 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 and they're, they're having a conversation. That's what God wants to know. How was your day? What was going on? What's your struggles? What's your highs? What's your low? What's happening? And in those moments, God's not looking for flowery words. God's not looking for, for, for some sophisticated language. God just wants to know what's going on. 
And, and in those moments when you go, hey, life stinks right now. I don't understand this right now. I, 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 I don't get this right now. Tell him. But I don't want him to strike me down. He's not going to. David's praying this prayer before Jesus Christ died on the cross. So before grace was dispensed and we live under a dispensation of grace. Meaning that we've been saved through faith in Jesus and that not of ourselves. It's not about our actions. It's about what he's done. Would you be upset with your kids if they came to you in a respectful manner, but in an honest manner and just said, I don't get this. This makes no sense to me. No. You would want your kids to say, Dad, I don't get this. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I mean, can, can you help me? If you thought for a moment that your child was hurt or their heart was sorrowful, or they were broken because of a distance between you and them, it would break you. It, it would melt you like butter on a hot plate. I mean, it would just completely like, oh, I'm so sorry. God knows. He's not off put by that. David's transparency is, 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 is where the transformation takes place. Transformation always takes place in transparency. As long as you're fronting with God, as long as you're giving God the Heisman, as long as you're, you're, you're putting up this really great look, nothing gets done. Until you come to the end of you, God's going to be at Starbucks grabbing a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees and saying to you, when you come to the end of your bad self and you need me, you really want to get honest with things and you call me until then I'll be over here. Because you're just fronting, you're just playing, you're just playing church. But when you get brutally honest and you get transparent, that's when it happens. Look at it, verse 1. David deals with the distance. God, you're so far away. You ever felt like that? He, look, look, look at the rest. He, he talks about that he, conf he confesses the feeling of feeling forgotten. You ever feel it? You ever felt forgotten by God? I have. Several times in my life. Like, seriously? I go to Bible college? I give you my life? And this is it? And you go, that's just, is that harsh? No, no, that's my feelings. I, I, I can't help. God created me with a will. God created me with a volition. He created me with emotions. God himself displays emotions. Therefore, the creator created you and I, the creation. Therefore, he expects that. There's nothing wrong with being angry. The Bible just says in your anger, sin not. But the emotion of anger is healthy. And for you to suppress that is, 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 is not healthy. See, it, it, it's, it's, but it's how I do that, and it's how I'm processing that. David confesses his emotional state of his mind and heart, look at verse 2, of just being lonely. God, my heart, I'm heart's broken. I'm sorrowful. I, my heart's sorrowful. This is what's going on. He, he confesses in verse 2 that the victory of the enemy, if, if, if this takes me, if, if you have abandoned me, if you leave me, then, my, then, then the enemy will come in and, and it will cause my death. And, 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 and not only that, there are people that would love to see me fall. You ever felt like that? He doesn't deny the feeling of despair at all. Rather, he's transparent. And notice God doesn't strike him with a curse. God doesn't open up and call down fire from heaven. He's honest. Secondly, thing we see here is that David chooses to trust God. David chooses to trust God. Look at, look, look at, at verse 5, just the very first line. But I trust in your unfailing love. But. The word but denotes that there's a choice here. The circumstances haven't changed, but David has made a decision. 
that in spite of how I feel, verses 1 through 4, I'm going to make a decision. In spite of I'm having a horrible, terrible, very bad day, I'm I'm, going to choose to trust the Lord. In spite of being in despair, in spite of feeling forgotten, in spite of the loneliness, in spite of God, you still haven't answered me. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a choice. And I'm going to decide that I'm going to trust. Notice he says, I will trust. You know why? Because it's you. It's not God. It's not the church. It's not your sweet grandmother, God rest her soul. It's you. God won't do this for you. God doesn't have the capacity to do this for you. Why? Because you're not a rock'em, sock'em robot. God doesn't control you from some cosmic heavenly joystick. You're, 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 you're not some avatar on some screen. You are a person that, is, that has a will and a volition that God has wonderfully and fearfully created you and made you. And you have a choice. You can choose to follow God or not follow God. You can choose to serve him or not serve him. It's your choice. It's not even his choice. Oh, he knows what you're going to choose. All he knows is that that is your choice, but it has to be your choice. Because if, it's, if there's no free moral will, there's no free moral choice, then how does God know if you actually love him? See, it's one thing for me to, to choose God because I have no choice, to choose God because I'm scared of hell. It's a whole other thing for me to choose to serve him, to choose to live my life for him, to choose to trust him with the here and now and not the sweet by and by. But it's my choice, not God's choice. It's my choice, not the church's choice. It's my choice, not my parents' choice. It's my choice, not my family's choice. Have this conversation sometimes with people, and they'll talk about their relationship with God, and it's all predicated upon, well, I was raised in church so-and-so. Well, my family had belonged to church so-and-so. Who flippin' cares? That's what I want to say in the deep theological terms that I understand. Doesn't matter. Because the, the deal is, what do you believe? What do you think? How do you feel? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe that no man gets to the Father except through the Son? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you personally confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord? See, that's the question. The question isn't how you were raised. That speaks of your parents and your grandparents and your family and how, how wonderful they were. The question isn't what does the church believe that you, that you show up on the weekend? You, you know going to church doesn't, doesn't save you, right? Yeah, going to a, I'm going to help you. Some people think this is a trick question. It's not. Going to a garage doesn't make you a car, right? Going to Taco Bell doesn't make you a taco. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, since my girls were little, we used to tell them, listen, just because somebody attends life church doesn't mean that they're right with God, doesn't mean they're a Christian, doesn't mean they're always going to do the right thing. These are people. Now, there's a lot of Christ followers there, but there's a lot of people, too, that aren't Christ followers. And they're kicking tires on this thing called faith in Jesus. And, and, and even people that are Christ followers, they're still going to make mistakes. And so we got to give people grace and give people some room. But, but the reality is, is coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's, I have to choose. But I trust. It's your trust. In the words of the great theologian Bob Dylan, you're going to trust somebody. Who are you going to trust? You? Your spouse, your job, your money market account. We put our trust in a lot of things. What are you going to put your trust in? Your parents, your grandparents, they're great people, but who are you going to put your trust in? He says, I put my trust in your unfailing love, God's love. I don't have time to unpack all of this. I could do an entire series just on that statement. But here's what we know about God's love. 
The most simplistic way to view God's love is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That word so and that phrase means without strings and without conditions. The only person that can love you unconditionally is not your mother or your grandmother or your best friend or your spouse, but God. Because God will love you even if you turn your back on him. God will love you even if you curse him and die. God will never cease loving you. How are you so sure of that? Because John's, 1 John says that Jesus and that God is love. And they're one and the same. So therefore, they cannot deny the very character and nature of who they are. And the very essence of what they do. And so, so when, when, when David says, here, man, I'm going to trust in your unfailing love, God. I know that regardless how I am feeling right now, that your love never changes. That your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. If I ascend to the mountains, you are there. He'll write these words in the book of Psalms. And if I go to the very pit of hell, you'll be there. For no one can escape you. He'll write those words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. For your rod and your staff, you comfort me. It's a choice. I choose. Notice what else David chooses. He chooses faith over feeling. He chooses faith over feeling. Again, in the world in which we live in, when we say, I don't feel God, I get it. It's a true feeling. But, but, but it, there's more to it. It's in these moments we have to make a decision. Am I going to choose to trust what God's word says or am I going to be led by my feelings? Look at the end of verse 5. He says, but my heart rejoices in your salvation. So I'm going to choose to trust your unfailing love because my heart rejoices in your salvation. My, again, it goes back to this is your control, not somebody else's control. Listen, when you're feeling helpless and lonely and, and, and abandoned, don't blame somebody else. I don't mean to like be Dr. Phil on this, but I mean, don't blame somebody else. This is you. This is your life. You, you, you're in the driver's seat. God won't put more on you than what you can bear. You may feel like it, but, but, but his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so, and so it's, this is yours. These are your choices. And, and the good part about that is that means you've got some control in this situation. That, that's what that means. That means that you're not helpless or hopeless, but you've got control in this situation. And, and this is your control. But he says, it's my heart. My heart, my seat of my emotions, the seat of my feeling. That, that's what he's dealing with. He's, he's dealing with his emotions. He's dealing with his feeling. It, what, is, what is it going to do? Well, he's commanding it to rejoice. The word rejoice means to have joy again in. I'm going to have joy again in. What? My salvation. I'm going to choose and I'm going to allow my heart that feels right now very lonely, very distant away from God. I'm going to choose. I've got the power to choose. This is good news to have joy again in my salvation. I'm going to stir back up that salvation experience to remember what Jesus Christ did for me, to remember that I, I, I received my salvation, not by feelings, not by emotions, not by my works. Paul says that I'm saved through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, and not of my works, lest I would become boastful. It's not about how many times I showed up at church or how much money I gave in the offering or how much, you know, if you went to serve day this weekend, amen, I saw many of you there at, at, at Towson Elementary School and, and, and over at the thrift store at Super Thrift at, uh, on 91st Street there at Teen Challenge. And, and, and I did all of these good things and da 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 But that, that's not what it's about. I, that's works. And that's good. We should do good works. 
But my salvation is not built up on those good works. My salvation is built up on a decision, a choice that I make, that I choose in faith. Not on emotion, not on my feeling, but that my heart is going to rejoice again, not in my feelings of salvation, but in the joy of my salvation, in the truth of my salvation. And there are times in your life where you got to go back to that moment, back to that time. Back. This is one of the reasons why I journal. It's one of the reasons why I, I keep cards that are positive and encouraging. If you send me something nasty, it, goes, it gets hit, hits a shredder, right? File 13. Matter of fact, I don't even get it most of the time. And so anyhow, so it's just, but man, those things were like, this is a life change. And, and I, got a, I got a card, a letter the other day from, from an elementary student here that, that God just did something great in their life, in their home, in their marriage. And, and she was, I mean marriage, in their, in their home with their mom and dad with the marriage. And, 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 and just, they sent, she just sent me this little handwritten card thanking the church and all that kind of a deal, this little, little letter and, 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 and thanking God for uh, the, the kids' ministry. I mean, I was like, wow, this is a pretty articulate uh, nine-year-old. But anyhow, so, and I kept that. Matter of fact, it's been on my desk for a while because the days that I want to quit, I go back and I read that. I read that. I, I go back to an email that encouraged me, man, that, that I read that. I, I go back to uh, th those times. And, and so I, I go back to those, those moments. He says, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose that I'm going to put my trust in my faith and not my feelings because my feelings are going to be up one day and down the next. My feelings are going to sometimes be engaged and other times disengaged. But I'm, I'm just going to make a choice and decision that it's about the salvation and I'm going to have joy again in the salvation and that experience that God saved me, not because of my works, not because of my goodness, not because of me, but because of him. Wow. What's good about that is I got control. David says my heart. So I'm controlling my heart, my emotions. How am I controlling it? By going back to rejoicing again in what? My salvation. The fact that God loved me, that he saved me, that he sent his only son to die for me, that he has a plan and a purpose and a hope in my life. I go back in the scripture and that's what the word says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you build up your faith? By getting God's word and sometimes just audibly saying it out loud and quoting it and quoting it and quoting it and quoting it. Why? Because it's God's word, not man's word. Last thing David does, he chooses to praise God. It's interesting. Verse 6, he chooses to praise God. He says, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Again, that word I keeps popping up. Personal decision. Ball's in your court. This isn't resting upon God. It's not resting upon church. It's not about the pastor. Don't come blame me. I've been blamed for enough stuff, and half of it I did, and half of it I didn't. Well, maybe three-quarters of it I did, right? Is that good? He says, I'm going to sing. Well, how would you think about this just for a second? When someone's singing something, you've got to be pretty committed to sing something. Because I've heard some of you sing, and you don't have great voices. Right? But you, you know, and some of you have good voices, and some of you don't. Some of you think that you've got a voice like Mackenzie up here, and you don't. I'm just going to tell you. But you make a joyful noise to the Lord, amen? But if you're going to sing something, I mean, you're really going to belt that. You've you got to be committed to what you're saying. You ever thought about that? Like, I, I'm going to sing something because I'm really going to declare it. I'm not just singing. I mean, I'm, I'm going to declare it. So think about the last time you were, like, in a, you were at a concert and they were singing your favorite song. I was at a deal and 
Garth Brooks, and he, they were doing Friends in Low Places, and I mean, I think half the people were in low places, and, and, but, but the deal was, I mean, people were belting this out. It, it's just, it's like, I'm committed to that. I, this, I'm all in on this. It's, you go to a, a college football game or, or a basketball game or an event, and they're singing the alma mater, and they're all going to lock, lock arms, and they're going to sing this. Whatever the song is, how goofy it is, it's their song. It's their alma mater, high school game, a college game, whatever. And they're loaded into you. You go to a church service. And somebody all of a sudden, there's a song that's like your favorite song. And it doesn't matter if you can sing or not. It doesn't matter how you belt it out. It doesn't matter how many octaves. You're just going to let her rip tater chip. That's the reason why the music is so loud at Life Church, Because you sing so loud and so bad. Just teasing. But David says, I'm going to sing. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm fully committed to this. And what am I going to sing? I'm going to sing God's praise. I, I, I'm going to shift my thoughts upon him and what he's done. And I'm going to sing of his good works. And I'm going to sing of his salvation. And I'm going to sing of his joy. And I'm going to sing of his love. And I'm going to sing of all of those. And I'm going to worship. That becomes his response. Why? Because God, he says this, for he has been good to me. Not he is being good to me now, not he will be good to me tomorrow, but this is what he's done. See, there's, a, there's, a, there's times in our lives where we need to stop for a moment and we need to remember what he's done. Remember what he's, what, where he's brought us to. Remember. Remember for the spouse that you're sitting next to that you prayed for their salvation. And that didn't make them perfect, sorry. But they're here. And they love Jesus. And there was a day, and a, a day and time when you prayed for them and you prayed for them and you prayed for them. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was your children. I'm going to praise God and thank him for what he has done in my life. I'm going to thank him for, for the church that I have, for the friends of faith that I have, for, 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 for the years and for the journey that I have. I'm going to thank him for the health in my body that I have. I was at, at, at Towson Elementary earlier, earlier on Saturday morning, and, and, and there's Joe. And, and Joe's battled cancer, and Joe's been through the ringer. And he, he's standing up, and I, first of all, didn't recognize who this was, because there's this guy all moving around this stuff in the shelf and doing all this. And then I see the, the walker that he's having to use for a little bit of assistance that's over to the right of him. And then I realize it's Joe. Because at some point in time, you got control. Amen? At some point in time, you go, this is enough. I, I'm just going to choose that I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to worship the Lord for what he has done. Maybe he doesn't show up tomorrow, but tomorrow hasn't come. Maybe it's not happening right now, but I'm not worried about right now. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to sing the praise of God for what he has done for my children, for my grandchildren, for how he's provided. He's been so good to me. We used to sing, I cannot tell it all. And what happens is, is David goes from the very beginning of God, where are you? To verse six, God, I'm going to praise you. He starts with a holla and he ends with a hallelujah. How do you get there? The operative word in the entire chapter is I. He makes a decision. 
Notice God never shows up. God never responds. His situation changes, but not because all of a sudden he feels God's presence or all of a sudden the angels come in or all of a sudden the heavens open up. But he made a simple decision that he was going to trust in the Lord, strengthen himself in the Lord. And all of a sudden, this cry for God, where are you, becomes, I am going to sing the praises of the Lord. How do you get there? Walking through this passage, being honest with God, trusting and choosing to trust him, even when you don't feel him or see him. Choosing to have faith over your feelings and choosing to praise God, even when he has not yet appeared, not because of what he is doing, because he hasn't done anything at that point or what he is going to do, but for what he has done. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the simplicity of your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you, God, in these next few moments would just, as we respond to your word, God, that you would just simply, God, speak to our hearts. And I just pray, help us to steal ourselves to quiet ourselves and to reflect and to respond based upon what your word has said about our situation. In Jesus' name, amen.